0: We're still in the wilderness, but now we're soaring, transported like Scrooge and the ghost of Christmas past. Over countryside, familiar landmarks hovering, flying. And in your imagination, can you hear the soundtrack? It's that 80s tune, Tears for Fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. Come on, 80s teenagers. (laughs) 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 Okay, back to the storyline. The tempter keeps on taking Jesus higher and higher. Now they're on a very high mountain, gazing at the holy city, the sprawling empire, All this, the tempter says, all this, you can have it all. You can have it now. All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. The tempter raises the stakes. Sure, Jesus, you refuse to provide for yourself. That's good and noble. And yes, Jesus, you refuse to get, get, force your God to rescue you and That was very sensitive to your father's busy schedule. But now let me provide for you. And not just for you, but for all the world, all the land, all the peoples, empires, kingdoms, all of them at your command. Jesus' third and final rebuke is resolute. And might we also say angry? Get away from me. To hell with you, Satan. And once again, not just a spoken word, but a written word. Jesus has the words of Moses hidden in his heart. Worship the Lord your God, and to him only shall you give service. This is good news. For wandering, weary followers of Jesus, hemmed in, anxiety written. Caught in the wilderness, trying to find our way. And remember, this is not about us trying to recreate the moment so that we can be the heroes of the story, fighting off temptation just like Jesus did. No, the good news for woeful disciples is that in the midst of our temptations, in the midst of the temptation to lean on self sufficiency, or to grapple for control, or to sell our souls to the devil for the quick fix or the spiritual success, Jesus shows us another way. And he invites us to walk in that way. And today I'm naming this as the low, slow way of salvation. Salvation. Does God want the whole world? Of course he does. John 3.16, many of us have it memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave. So yes, of course God wants the world, but will he finagle backroom deals for it? Scheming to do whatever needs to be done to get it done? No way. This is the low, slow way of salvation. But we individually and corporately are perpetually tempted to get it done quick and to do whatever we need to do to get the deal pushed through. Isn't it intriguing to think of the contemporary phrases that we use that model this third temptation? The devil made me do it. You've signed a deal with the devil. Or again, if you're an 80s teenager, the devil went down to Georgia. What was he doing? Looking for a soul to steal. Well, uh, we Christians are kind of good at fudging details and making deals. Maybe that phrase, the devil is in the details, works for us once in a while. We might say, we're going to do this, and we're going to do it for God's glory, so that we might win the world for Christ. Perhaps you've read stories about churches that build multi-million dollar worship centers, or maybe they... Make these downtown luxury condos on their property, and they drive up the rental prices in the area, and they push out the low-income people who live around them, all because they want to win the world for Christ. Really, church? Is that why Jesus gave and gives his life for the world? Now, there's lots of ways that Churches that we've been part of can sell their souls while telling ourselves all the, all the time that, oh, we're really into saving souls. I was thinking this past week about uh, a previous era in my life when I was a youth pastor in another city, and we ended up working with the youth ministerial and the citywide ministerial, and for almost three years we invested time, time, Hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, energy into little side programs and fundraising efforts for this program of evangelism called IWT, Impact World Tour. Their buzz line was that they would catalyze fervent prayer, public proclamation, personal discipleship. They'd done it in 2,000 regions around the world, and they will come to your city to fill your schools and arenas and public spaces so that you might turn your city upside down. 17 years later, and I know for a fact that that city was not turned upside down for Jesus. And I was reflecting on that this past week. What, what are the metrics for a, a city turned upside down for Jesus? How does that actually get done? well, I don't believe that it's the slow, slow way of salvation. So let's swing back to the good news of today's story, because it's amazing how quickly we can have our hearts and our minds distracted and enticed. Jesus invites us to the low, slow way. God in Jesus wants the whole world, but it's not in a way where... Jesus wants to turn your city upside down. Really, Jesus might want to turn our cities right side up if he wanted to have his way with us. That's a tour that maybe we ought to get behind. That's a God that I want to follow. That's a savior I want to join with and a foundation that I'd build a church on. So how about you? How about us? As we move through the temptations in the wilderness, as we continue to follow Jesus, what is this low, slow way? I'd like to suggest that in the light of today's story and today's temptation story, it's a move or a posture or a practice of two things, humility and trust. The low way is the humble unspectacular, unsuccessful way of being, serving, and worshiping in the world. The slow way is the way of trust, trusting in a future that we're not always in control of, trying to find paths and trails that we don't always know the end point to, discerning the spirit through word, this community of faith, other communities of faith, believing that just because it isn't happening quickly doesn't mean that it's not happening at all. We stay on this path of humility and trust. And it's not necessarily easy. Because every day, we're probably tempted to some kind of shortcut deal with the devil. So you might pause for a few seconds, reflect on your heart, your hopes, your dreams in these days. What might be our temptation to make a shortcut deal with the devil in these days? I think these temptations are often phrased like this. Well, if we could only, or if I could only blank... Then we could do so much more for Jesus, or do so much more for God's kingdom. And we've probably fallen for this phrase a hundred times or more, individually or corporately. Sometimes the consequences are minimal, but sometimes the consequences cost us dearly. And thanks be to Jesus that there's lots of grace in God's economy, to forgive us our follies. But again, I invite us to reflect what might be revealed to us in these days of Lent about the posture or the paths or the ways of humility and trust. This low, slow way of salvation Well, I want to assure us of a couple of things, that if you're a part of the First Baptist Church community of faith, whether near or afar, I want to assure you that we do not seem to be in danger of becoming rich, spectacular, or famous anytime soon, all right? <laughs> your, your pastors and your church council members are not leading ministry success webinars in these days. There's no plans for book tours, as far as I can tell. We are not the Christian superheroes or celebrities. But on the flip side, there's, there's a good news to that, because I would say that that might be why we are good at pursuing this low, slow way of salvation. It's our size, it's our smallness, it's our humbleness, that hopefully gives us that ability to be with one another. Challenging in these days, but trying to stay in touch so that we might know and be known. Our small congregation has this ability to slowly work and worship and serve together. Discerning the mind of Christ. That's what we do at our AGMs and our semi-annual meetings. We touch base a couple times a year and we share what our hopes and our dreams for community and ministry in this city. But then we also listen to each other. And because of the size of our community of faith, almost every voice can be heard. And we join God in this low and slow work, this mission where God is making all things new. As one theologian puts it, God will have the kingdom present, one small act at a time. The kingdom of God present, one small act at a time. It's a journey of trust. It's a journey of humility. It's a journey that we do together. Trusting in this living God who lives and interacts with us through worship, through word, through our spiritual practices, through this weekly pattern of liturgy and worship that we do together. The way we travel together through the Christian year. The way we gather around the Lord's table in mystical yet real ways participating in the life sacrifices and the suffering of Christ. This Christ who is with us, we say, abides with us. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we follow Jesus through this third temptation, not as a one-off encounter, but as a repeating pattern of life and faith. We stand with Jesus. We stand behind Jesus. We shout, get away from me, Satan. Get away from us. And then we follow Jesus. We look forward. We look ahead. We open our eyes. We raise our hearts and our hands, our voices to the Lord as we serve and worship only him. A verse that we've been repeating over the past couple of Sundays is from Hebrews 12. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus will not succumb to the voice of the tempter. Jesus will not give in to the ways of cheap mastery, and nor shall we, with Jesus at the lead, with Jesus at the center, we continue together, this small band of believers, worshiping and serving God alone. Over the past few weeks, we've encouraged you to some Lenten spiritual practices. We've invited you to be a Christian mystic. Last week, Jeremy invited you to this spiritual practice of the clenched and releasing hand. And today, I would invite you to the posture of the sweeping arm. Evan's going to post a litany for us as we close this part of the sermon and maybe a prayer that you can carry with you in these days of Lent. With the first three phrases, we're going to sweep our arms to the west. And then in the final phrase, we're going to sweep our arm and our arms to the east. Pray... And move with me in this closing litany. It's a Kenyan prayer. All our problems we send to the setting sun. All our difficulties we send to the setting sun. All the devil's works we send to the setting sun. And all our hopes we set on the risen sun. Christ, the Son of Righteousness, shine upon us, scatter the darkness from our paths, and may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be among us and remain with us always. Amen.